Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. Reduce, reuse, recycle, or landfills, burn it, or ship it to a third world country. Latter seems to be more true. Today we're going to talk about recycling in first world countries, mainly here in America, and how unethical recycling is here in America. How bad we are at recycling as a first world country, all the way from Japan to Britain to America. And it's going to be an interesting trip because I went down the rabbit hole far, far, far further than I should have. But first off, Nick... How you doing? What are you drinking? I am doing great, and I'm drinking some uh, Bell Mead bourbon. Shout out to my cousin Brittany and new Dave, who got married at that plantation. So that's why I got it. What about you? What are you drinking? I am drinking a demon hybrid of bourbon and vodka mixed together with ice. Um, why? Because I'm flowers. That's why. Anyway, recycling. Recycling. Now, I hate to break it to you all. When you're putting your plastic water bottles in that blue or green bin, you're actually not doing as much good as you think. Now, most people try to recycle. At least, I hope they try to recycle. They take that water bottle or glass or cardboard or whatever, put it all in a bin, and when that recycling bin gets picked up, most people, they wipe their hands, they go, I did a good thing, I'm helping the planet. But unfortunately, that's just not true. And the more and more we get into this podcast, the more and more complicated it gets from batteries to electronics, just everything in general that gets recycled tends not to get properly recycled. And I want to start off with this scientific article I came across. It was written by Roland Geyer from the University of California, Jenna Jambrick from the University of Georgia, and Kara Lavender Law from Sea Education Association. They found that, and I quote, 9% of all plastic ever produced has been recycled, end quote. That means 91%, I repeat, 91% of all plastic ever made hasn't been recycled. That hurt my brain. And that is just the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. As we get farther and farther down this rabbit hole, you're going to hate how recycling is done in first world countries. In May 2019, an estimate was found that less than a quarter of all United States electronic waste is recycled. Now, to give a definition, because I don't want to keep saying electronic waste, e-waste is the more common name, more, uh, more trade name for electronic waste. So when I say e-waste, it means electronic waste. And staying with electronic waste, according to the UN, up to 90% of the world's electronic waste is illegally traded or dumped each year now we're going to kind of cover a lot i just want to get those facts out just to get your mindset we're going to cover a lot of plastics electronics burning water poisoning poisoning of chemicals shipping it to different countries dumping in landfills people making back-ended deals for money this is this is like almost a conspiracy nick and i would love to hear your opinion because this 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 was a thread that i kept pulling on a sweatshirt that just happened to fall apart Yeah, so I'd always kind of known, you know, most of what you recycle doesn't actually end up being recycled. 
but I didn't know to what extent that that was true until we started researching this. I didn't know mostly where it was ending up in like China. I kind of knew some of that, but what they do with it from there and then other countries that it gets shipped to and what they do with it. And it's uh, it's just a, it's a giant mess. Mess is a perfect word choice for it because it is both a mess physically, a mess on paper, and a mess emotionally and ethically. We, as a not just American, but first world countries in general, like I mean, all European, first world Asian countries, your Americans, we we have the wool over our eyes on how our plastics, electronics, paper, glass is all recycled. And it is, I hope this podcast will be eye-opening because it was very eye-opening for me. So a big part of the world's, well, specifically first world countries, is a big problem is shipping the recyclables to China, specifically plastic and e-waste. This was a very, very common occurrence until China pretty much closed their borders to foreign plastic unless it was above 95% purity. Now, when you think plastic and purity... It's not if it's melted or not. I, I want to throw this out there in the beginning because we're probably talking about purity a lot. When you throw all your plastics in one bin or say like a pizza box. Pizza box is a perfect example. Your pizza box is covered with grease when you get it. That cardboard you can't recycle because it's full of grease. And the reason why you can't recycle or you're not supposed to recycle is because all that grease makes it so impure that most companies that process it just throw it away anyway and lend the landfill, and you're pretty much just wasting time, energy, and money. So that's what we mean by purity with plastics. Like, think of uh, wrappers, like on a water bottle. That residue of uh, the paper wrapped around it, that's easy to come off, but like, say it gets dirty or squished on, or it got pulled out of a lake, or it's all covered in dirt, that's low purity because it's there's other minerals in it. You have to clean it. So that's low purity. So I, I just want to emphasize that. And for the most part, America, Britain, well, Europe in general, Japan was all sending their plastic to China to get processed, to get remade into pellets, to be sold back to the, those countries that gave them the plastic to begin with. In China, they gave us kind of a warning a few years ago, and they tightened up some of their restrictions. And then not too long ago, they said we can't deal with this. You have to stop sending us all this contaminated, unpure recycling. And they stopped letting plastic come in. To to help alliterate on what Nick just said is China used to buy and take in nearly half of the world's recyclable waste. I believe it was 56%. Half of the world's plastic waste. And China's like, no, 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 no more, no more. Or <laughs> we can't, we can't do this anymore. We're done. And I don't say this often, but bravo for China for trying to focus on their own plastic pollution rather than other countries. But unfortunately, all these other countries that are so used to shipping it to China is kind of figuring out what to do with it now. And they kind of got their, uh, their hands in their pockets because they have no idea what to do. So some other third world countries kind of stepped in, like uh, other you know, Asian countries stepped in and said that they would take some of our plastics. And they dealt with it in a manner even maybe worse than China. It seems like they're just dumping it around their country and hiding it. I don't know about you, Nick, but when researching this, a lot of countries like 
India, Ghana, Nigeria for recycling, they thought they could take care of this new void. They think they could step up to handle all these first world countries' recycling needs and realize they got way more into over their head than they needed that they could do. Like they 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 started realizing how much was coming in. They're like, no 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 no. We can't we can't do this anymore. And before we get too far away, I wanna I wanna point this out. In 2012, a report by the Geneva Intervention Labor Organization said, and I quote, "E-waste in developed countries that is sent for recycling, 80% ends up being shipped, often illegally shipped, to developing countries such as China, India, Ghana, and Nigeria for recycling." So even though China now closed their borders and there's no more recycling, countries are still trying to illegally recycle. Well, I don't even know if we can call it recycling, Nick. They're trying to legally sell their used goods to other countries for processing. And it's and and talking about countries that are just literally kind of dumping it because they don't know what to do, Malaysia. Like since China pretty much banned the import of recyclables, other developing and third world countries have tried to step up. And they're regretting it. They're re- like I said, they're regretting it to the point where they're returning containers of material because they don't want it. Since of October of 2019, Malaysia has sent back 150 cargo containers. That's almost 3,737 metric tons of waste. That's that's so goddamn much. I have the they're like they're like filling up entire cargo ships with waste to get quote unquote recycled. Nick, I. I don't know how this is not more in the public knowledge. I feel like it is. You know, everyone throws out trash. Everyone knows exactly how much trash they throw out a week. Maybe they just, I think people just don't realize where it's all going. Yeah, but I mean. What's being done with it. I, I, I might be ignorant and I might have the wool over my eyes. I thought when I was re- throwing my cardboard into a recyclable cardboard bin, I was hoping it would get processed and recycled. But that's not always the case. And with plastics and e-waste we'll get into e-waste later into the podcast that's not the case it's it, it gets worse on the line the more complicated the object is uh, e-waste compared to paper is night versus day like for recyclability and sticking with malaysia another country trying to stick stick up like them not wanting to do this anymore the minister of science for malaysia said and i quote we do not want to be the garbage bin of the world the like other countries in southeast asia are starting to turn away ships of waste much like china did and america britain japan are twirling the thumbs trying to figure out what they want to do now I feel like I've been rambling on a little bit, and Nick, I feel like you haven't gotten your point in, and I would really love to hear your opinion on this, because I, I feel like we like walked into a conspiracy theory almost. Yeah, I feel like it is a secret. Like No one wants us to know this, but it's uh, it's definitely real. I mean, yeah. Um, another thing that I think we need to bring up is just think about how much diesel it takes to bring all that material across the ocean and back all the transportation costs to get garbage from one place to another you know talk about co2 emissions i can't imagine that it's and with recycling some products this is where it gets kind of a gray zone so some products it creates less co2 is put off by just simply creating a new product than actually by going through the process of recycling now that doesn't solve the issue of the product has already been made and where do we put it but is it how do you how do you value that of well we made it we have to reuse it now even if it's going to take more energy than to create a new one i i don't know this what do you think mike 
what I'm hoping as more renewable energy becomes more and more prominent, we can switch over to different devices to help process that electric so it lowers down the carbon emission. But something I want to kind of keep on talking about is the amount of diesel and negativity of simply shipping these trans uh, these these containers full of waste on average third uh 1382 containers are lost at sea that what what was what, the containers what 16 feet right yeah i don't know well an entire shipping container is now thirteen thousand of them are now lost at sea full probably full of trash or other plastics e-waste etc etc it it now you add that to the diesel. Now you add that to countries like China and Malaysia going no more and sending it back to the United States. That's just so much pollution just going into our ocean and ozone. It's 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 it hurts my head. It seems like you should just call the head and and figured out what what was going on. And it's not just Asia. Like they're picking on pretty much every third world country. Like uh uh Africa, like West Africa, is being heavily affected by first world and uh, first world countries trying to recycle their materials. And in West Africa, quote unquote, their recycling areas. And actually, Nick, I don't think we should put it up on social media, but the pictures that are coming out of these African recycling areas is so gut-wrenching and so hurtful to the soul seeing what those, those poor people have to deal with. But they're pretty much how they're recycling, like say wires. What they're doing is they're making a giant burn pile to and burning the electronics to melt away the plastic and rubber to leave the metals behind. The smoke, the the toxics, fumes, they spill into the sky, they get into the ground, the water, and they become dangerous. And unfortunately, a lot of these workers are from the ages of 13 to 35 with no protective gear, no health care, no health anything and they're dying from these nasty processes i don't know about you nick but when i was 13 years old i wasn't playing with toxic waste and i would really hope other people weren't i wasn't either um as far as i know (laughs) i do want to say so the reason that a lot of this was going to china is because it made sense economically so as the united states and every other country we buy a lot of our goods from China. So they're constantly shipping us stuff. Well, it makes sense to send something back in return so that those that return trip's not completely for nothing. They're not just emptying all their goods here. They're, it's kind of a two-way street. And they're bringing some goods back to China, obviously, but they had empty berths. And so it made sense to put our recyclable materials in there for China to recycle. But they're so contaminated with other stuff that they couldn't really use them and they kind of gave us a warning and like we didn't uh we didn't listen and well they we didn't call their bluff we we thought they were just saying we need to get better and if we do like one percent better then it'll be fine and then they cut us off and we were left running around like a chicken with our head cut off so i mostly agree with you nick except for the part where it made sense to send our recycle items over to china it made economic sense, I guess. See, that's what I disagree on. I think it doesn't make economical sense. And I'll talk about that later in the podcast. I just wanted to make note of it now. From what I understand of doing an engineering cost analysis, that it made more sense to do it at home than it was to ship it overseas. But, I mean, a big part 
of why all these plastic, paper, glass, and electronics are shipped overseas is greed. People trying to cut corners to get as much money and profit as possible. And we'll talk. I'll talk about that later of how that's affecting here in America and how lawsuits are being come up. But sticking with Africa a little bit, and I want to point this out with the wires and the burning in, sorry if I mispronounced this, Agobalisha, which is in Ghana. I believe it's in the center of Ghana. My geography is a little rusty. But in a single day, they will burn a few hundred pounds of cable just to get the copper out. Few hundred pounds burning plastic and rubber around the copper to get the copper. And I can I can speak for both me and Nick as we're not okay with that. We're not okay with unethical recycling. We're not okay with third world countries suffering from metals and plastic fumes and stuff like that. And I'm not gonna lie, Nick, my head's spinning. I still think we walked into a conspiracy of someone's chart, like the the Illuminati is trying to keep us quiet about recycling. And I, it just, it just hurts my head so much. Well, I don't think, uh, I mean, the scale is different, but melting down wire to get copper is definitely done here as well. Yes, but not to the point where it's people's careers. Not to the point where people don't know where to wear masks. Not to the point where... Well, mm, more tweakers. This is a tweaker. Okay, meth heads don't count as real people. Let's be honest here. Good point, good point. But it's 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 not just America. I like It's all first world countries that are doing this. And it's just like Britain in 2013 made 1.5 million tons of e-waste. And think about it now, I can't even imagine what their actual waste is for 2020. Like nearly nearly a decade ago, it was 1.5 million tons. How many tons is it now? That's, that's a scary thought. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse as populations continue to rise and we continue with our consumption. We're going to, I think, I forget exactly how much, but I think it was like by 2030, because China stopped taking all our recyclables, we'll have like 111,000 tons of material that we don't know what to do with. Until we figure out our recycling here, that's so much. And that, and if we don't do something about it, we could end up like these several countries, like Ban, for example. Um, Basil Action Network found in Agualicia that free-range eggs captured toxins at a rate 200 times above the European food and safety standard. That's because they just were getting plastic and were just trying to get as much metal as they could out of the electronics or the infused. Uh, well, I'll talk about a little bit how infused materials tend to make it harder to recycle. But if it's affecting that many people, like, like I, it's, Nick, I'm gonna make you depressed because this is this made me depressed and I got to share my pain with someone. But a battery recycling facility, which might be one of the worst things on the planet Earth, uh, from what I can tell, is I it's hard it's hard to find an ethical good one. But a heart wrenching woman by the name of, you know, I'm just going to read it quote for quote. Phyllis Omoto thought her baby had malaria, went to the doctors only to discover her baby was being poisoned by her own breast milk. The recycling in her village, if you can call that recycling, was recycling of the batteries near her, near her town was infecting her body with lead that was coming from the battery recycling plant, which in turn was slowly killing her baby from lead poisoning. Like, the unethical recycling isn't just polluting the planet, it's killing people. And all the way from 
China to Africa to the United States, landfills, the sludge from LCD screens, all that mercury inside LCD screens, the fumes from battery factories with lead, like, like it's in Siegel, which is, I believe in Kenya or it might be on the side of Ghana. My African geography is not the best. At least 18 children died in a span of three months from a different battery recycling plant. In that same area, residents were literally sieving and digging in their own home soil to collect lead from that came from the air from the factory to resell. Nick, like, how do we stop? Like, how how is this not making national news? I, I have no idea. I don't know. But like I've said before, I think this is something we need to keep in-house. We need to do this in our country and deal with our own problems. Stop. And when you push it off to other countries, you can't control your products. And this is the kind of stuff that happens. When you can keep it in the United States or whatever country it's in, it's your problem. You deal with it. And you can do it the right way. If you can't do it the right way, then you don't do it. I don't I don't know why this is a, such a contentious issue in, in our world, but for some reason it is. Well, when we... It, I mean... This isn't just a third world problem. Hell, in California last month, October 2020, a report that thousands of homes, schools, parks around a battery recycling plant was contaminating that area. Enough where that battery recycling facility was sued and lost because, and now they went bankrupt because they had to pay all these referendums and try to clean it. We can't even do it correctly in the United States. Now, I completely agree with you, Nick. The best way to do it is to do it yourself. The only hand, the only hands you can trust are the ones at the annual wrist. But we just keep offshoring. We keep cutting all these corners for recycling. And I never thought in the in my life that recycling would be killing people, but it is. It's literally, it's literally killing people. Like even our own, our own neighbors and. Uh, to the south in Mexico. The U.S. has been shipping nearly half a million tons of car batteries to Mexico every year. And these plants and recyclable facilities of these batteries, they're not good. They're, you mean, poor regulations, dangerous smelters, relation toxic fumes. I mean, hell, in Kentucky, even going back to the States, in Kentucky, they just passed a uh, bill for funding to help clean up illegal dump sites in Kentucky. And luckily, it's a 14-month period, and it actually will begin January 1st of 2021. Like, this is a modern-day problem. Like, this, is, this isn't this is a problem that's going to happen in the future or a problem in the past. This is happening right now. Yeah, so I guess we'll, let's start with plastics. Let's talk about plastics and solutions, and then work from there. Does that sound good? Sure. I actually have no idea where to start, so just <laughs> give me some direction because there's so much to talk about. Okay, so plastics are what's considered one of the most widely recyclable materials, or so we think. That's what we're led to believe. Plastics are, in fact, not as recyclable as we thought. Every, pretty much every plastic material has that little, the three arrows, the uh, kind of recycling symbol. And it turns out to get that recycling symbol, you just have to be able to recycle 60% of that product. It doesn't matter if it actually will be recycled, it's just that hypothetically it could be which is most often the case they're not recyclable maybe it doesn't make economic sense and so most of the time they're just thrown in the trash the most noticeable example that i found was anytime you buy like berries like blueberries blackberries that little case it comes in even though it says recycling on the bottom that's actually not recyclable really i did not know that and i was trying to find guidelines that everyone could use about what's recyclable but for the most part, it really depends on where you are. And your waste management company 
will go over will have their own guidelines, but it can differ from as soon as you change waste management companies, it's a whole new ball game. So you you really just have to check with your local uh, company. They should have something on their website. And I know this is a, a topic that pretty much everyone talks about. It's how stressful it is to figure out what's recyclable and what isn't. I know me and my wife get, argue about this all the time, about what you can and what you cannot recycle. And even though I am right, I am, in fact, not right. <laughs> exactly. You're technical right, which is sometimes not the best right. But eventually I want to talk about waste management organizations because I think that's a very important part. But sticking with plastic, like I said earlier in the podcast, majority of the plastic ever made is not recyclable. And it's a lot of due to impurities or we weren't simply in the recycling program. The recycling program in the United States came along in the 80s and has morphed over time especially with plastics. It went in the early days of recycling history in the United States, we were a separate bin system. So to give you some words and definitions of it, right now we're a single system bin, I believe is the proper term. Pretty much we put all our recyclables in one bin and it gets taken off to a plant for processing. In the early days, it was multiple bins. And Nick, I sort of remember this from my childhood. I'm not quite sure if you do, but having like a blue bin for paper, a green bin for plastics, and like a, I believe it was a black bin for glass. But unfortunately, Americans were lazy and didn't want to do that. So eventually got into one bin. And we'll bring up why that's important later, but I want to set that premise now, especially with plastic. So when all these plastics are thrown in with, say, say it's with like yogurt, like you eat some yogurt, you drink some disposable water bottles, throw it all in the same, that yogurt might get onto that water bottle and a company going through it really fast trying to process it will deem that water bottle dirty. And it's actually cheaper and more profitable them, for them to send it to a landfill than to actually recycle it. That's true for both United States and for other countries such as developing nations and third world countries such as Ghana and China. So it's it's cheaper and more profitable to go to a landfill than is recyclable, which is which is asinine to me. And sticking with plastic, a lot of this plastic that is sent to third world countries and just to illustrate how much how much is sent to third world countries in 2018 about 6800 no sorry 68000 shipping containers of american plastics recycled were exported to another country which already had the rates and statistics of mismanaging more than 70% of their own plastic waste so not only are we sending majority of our plastic to other countries we're also sending it to countries who have a history of mismanaging it it's but the reason why i bring that up is nick you mentioned earlier of how we economically send our recycled plastic to them to make more new products. But what a lot of time happens is they simply turn those plastics that we have into pellets and then send those pellets back to the United States. And then we use thermal injection machines with those pellets to make new products. And we're not exactly always getting bang for our buck, I guess is a way to say it. And it, it now that China is producing so much of their own plastic and they have no need for our plastic, it seems like we should definitely switch over to focusing on processing our own plastic for thermodyna uh, for thermal injection and plastic ejection, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I want to come back to plastic labeling later, but I, I realize what you're saying and it makes sense. And yes, we should be able to do it. And usually if something makes sense, we should be able to do it and it would be more economical. There's only one thing standing in the way of that working out economically or being done. And that's government. 
So I think I I couldn't come across too much, but I if I had to guess, it's because there's some regulations about either emissions or percentage that recycling needs to meet to work in the U.S., and that's why it's not being done. I came across different information. I came across, well, there's a, I believe it's Void or Vonix is a news company. I, I really appreciate they did like a mini documentary on uh, unethical recycling, which I, I recommend to go check them out. But they pretty much were following a ban, which is a company that puts GPSs in uh, e-waste to help track where recycling goes to make sure companies that say they're recycling are actually recycling. But to me, when watching this documentary, and this happened in this documentary, a lot of recycling facilities were cutting corners. They were trying to get the most bang for their buck. They were trying to, if they could make $6 million, they were trying to make $7 million. They were trying to get every blood penny out of a dollar. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, we'll just talk about it now, but like deals between waste management with, like Nick said, each waste management area is different. There are different rules for, say, Chicago to the middle of nowhere, Oregon, or say Dallas to the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. There are different rules and regulations based on just the areas. But a big component for waste management is they make deals with those cities or counties that they're in. These deals, most of the time, the cities get a part of the money that these waste management recycles. So say the way the waste management recycles aluminum, just random example. The waste management will get about 25% while the city will get about 75%, no matter if the prices change on the value of those items. And I'm all for competition with the value of the items, but if you're a recycling company and getting paid and you're trying to make most of your money based off the recycled items, it feels like you should get the lion's share, not the other way around with the city's getting it. It feels like, to me, it seems like the waste management is doing more of a benefit for the city than the city is getting giving a benefit to the waste management. I feel like that 25-75% should be flipped, if that makes sense. So your your argument against me saying that it's government is a problem is that it's not the government, it's corrupt politicians? I'm saying it's definitely corrupt politicians. I definitely say politics are a huge point of that. I also say it's human laziness and human greed of people trying to get, uh, running a business, say, in San Francisco, trying to get every bang for their buck, and rather than recycle it ethically themselves, they'll send it to a third world country to get more money per dollar, uh, more uh, more cents per dollar. Or people simply being ignorant and going, you know what, I'm not going to recycle this, I'm going to send this to landfill because it's too, it's too much hard work to clean to make it more suitable for recycling. So yes, no, I, I, I agree with you, Nick, on politics plays a huge part, but it's also just the individual human laziness, yes, even on my own behalf, and greed of different recycle organizations. Does does that make sense? Yeah. So it's it's interesting you say that the these the government gets paid from recycling. From what I ran or what I read is that the a lot of the times the recycling is cost prohibitive, and so a lot of times they'll start out with the multi-stream recycling or like the multi like the glass and the paper and the plastic bins and then they'll go to single stream because it's cheaper and then eventually shut down because the government funds are not there for recycling you know people are more willing to pay for schools police and fire but not willing to pay as much for recycling and that's part of the reason why they don't do as well but i don't know i mean it's probably both of those all of those problems well i say people aren't willing to spend money on recycling i think because they just 
don't know. Like I knew there was unethical recycling. I knew a lot of stuff was being transported to third world countries and landfills of nasty sludge and poisoning water and crops, which I assume we'll get to later, was affecting these areas. But I just didn't realize the depths of the water of unethical recycling. And I doubt the modern American knows how much recycling is negative. Like uh, not, not, I mean, not just even to pick America, but the entire first world country base, like everywhere in Europe, Japan, uh, Canada, like, like it's, we are ignorant to figure out to how much recycling is actually done ethically. Like, I, I hate to do this scene, Nick, but I'm going to throw Idaho underneath the bus a little bit. But don't worry. I'm going to throw underneath Illinois and New York underneath the bus. So it kind of evens out. In 2019, Blaine County, Idaho had to stop collecting mixed paper and now have 35 bales piled up at their facility that they can't recycle. And they are trying and hoping that these bales go to a landfill. Also in 2019, in Fort Edward, New York, they had to stop their recycling program altogether. And it just, it just keeps going. And in, in 2019, Keep Northern Illinois Beautiful program collected 400,000 tons of plastic which is now piled in bales behind their facility because they have no way to recycle it and nowhere to put it. So I imagine eventually it's going to go to the landfill. Yeah, that's a lot of material that needs a home, and the cheapest place to get rid of it is a landfill. A lot cheaper than recycling it. It just just doesn't make sense because we're spending so much more oil for drilling for oil, and most of that oil doesn't go to gasoline or et cetera. It goes to making plastics or petroleum-based items and it seems like if we recycle we wouldn't have to drill for oil am i am i crazy you thinking this nick you're technically correct but it's cheaper to drill for oil than it is to recycle those materials oh that just yeah but we could come up with new technology to make it cheaper we i mean if you put that investment forward you go to the path you do what's if you do what's hard for you your life will be easy if you do what's easy your life will be hard i i think it's the same business the same plan for business as it is for a personal life. You do what's hard and it becomes easy. And as a person who's trying to start their own business, bravo to all businesses trying to ethically recycle. I can't imagine that logistics nightmare and I am not looking forward to it. So bravo for all of you. Well, isn't also necessity is the mother of invention? You know, if we forced our trash to stay here and had to get rid of it here, I think you'd see a lot more innovation in waste management than you would shipping it to China. See, that's why I'm actually happy like Southeast Asia is closing off to first world countries bringing their plastic and e-waste over from uh, to their countries because it's forcing their con- uh, the countries that are sending it and it, it's, it's forcing them to think on how to deal with the situation and how to come up with new technology. We'll talk about new technology and innovations later in the podcast, but I'm happy they did that. It's it's kind of like bad tasting medicine. It's kind of good realization is like, oh, we can't handle our own shit. Let's uh, maybe we should figure out how to do this. Like maybe 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 we shouldn't just try to pass all our problems to a third world country. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to hear any arguments from me. I sit brought the same thing up in all our a lot of episodes about how we consistently just we don't want to touch anything in our country don't want to disturb anything but we won't think twice about just devastating the ecology of a, a third world country to produce goods that we use when we could do it better here it's just it's just so weird to me how it's more profitable here in america to have your 
recyclables go to a landfill than it is to actually recycle them. It it seems like there should be that that profit margin just doesn't make sense to me. You're literally turning into trash into a commodity. Yeah, you gotta put some work into it, but I imagine those profit margins have got to be much higher than just simply putting it in a landfill. But apparently, I'm wrong. And for those who don't know, and I really, really hope that there's no one out there who doesn't know that, plastic's not really good at dissolving quickly over time. They tend to last a very, very long time. So when you start adding all these metals, like going back to the burning of plastics, like in Ghana, when they're burning all these electronics to get the metals out of them, all that plastic technically either turns into fumes or it turns into sludge on the soil. That's still there. Matter can't be created or destroyed. And it's it just hurts my head, Nick. I it hurts my head. I I try to be optimistic for humanity, but it's shit like this that makes me go, why? Just what are we doing? Out of sight, out of mind. I I I hate that. But alright, let's 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 focus on America a little bit. So, like I mentioned, waste companies and cities try to make deals. And usually I'm all for a competitive market. If something, if a price goes down in a mineral, the whole market, everything else with that goes also down. But maybe for recycling, we make a little difference. So in December 2015, uh, sorry, 2017, mixed paper was worth 33 or 32 per ton. Then in December 2018, so a year, it went down to $4.69 per ton. That, that is an eight-time loss of profit margin and i don't think it's fair for recycling companies to figure that i feel like recycling companies shouldn't have to negotiate with a city i feel like it should be a basic right for a city to offer recycling like i don't want to sound like a socialist here but it seems like recycling should be uniform it shouldn't be it it, it shouldn't be competitive like like people trying to buy and get every cent out of the dollar. I think that's where a lot of corruption comes from. Like if I lowball you try and say I can do this for five million per year and then I try to sell all my waste to other countries to make up that loss, it, it just doesn't seem right to me. Like Nick and am I crazy you think this or should it be individual based waste management companies trying to make deals with cities? That's a tough one. I mean it is like a utility you know it's it's hard to have competition when it's whoever's there they have the infrastructure they have the trucks they have the system in place to compete with them you'd have to like a neighboring district would have to increase their that to pay more for transportation to pick up that trash and bring it back to them but i mean that's you know kind of how trash some trash companies work right is but also it's you know partly government funded some so i guess it would have to work, you know, you'd have to have, if you can have an environment where you foster the the private, you know, ownership and competition, but if you, for some places, it just doesn't make sense for a company to operate there, then I could say that's where the government steps in and everyone has to pay some to recycle some of this material. Can I offer a, a possible solution to this little point? I was like saving po- uh, solutions to the end, but this kind of just popped in my head. So we make every city and county and town, whatever you want to say, has a garbage truck. Let's just, I mean, that's kind of a given. They have some way to collect the trash, at least in the first world countries. Well, what happens if you have recyclables one day and then trash on another day? So you could have those same trucks pick up the trash and simply... 
the city picks up that recyclables and then who they ship it to is based on the highest bidder does that make sense like so say you have the city all picks it up and companies a b and c say we'll give you four dollars per metric ton or something like that no matter what it is but just per weight not what material it is i feel like that's a little bit more ethical sound compared to having waste management inside that town inside the city based paying for what that current rate of material is going for i don't I, I don't know i feel like there are a lot of job opportunities to make ethical recycling and a lot of businesses and commodities that could be made for picking collecting and sorting through the recycling materials but of course i could just be crazy that would make sense but what if you don't have a buyer what happens well, I imagine it's the same thing that's happening now. It goes to a landfill. I mean, if it's if you're not trying to change, you get the same thing. I mean, I mean, well, let's say let's say you don't get a buyer. Let's say Kenosha in Wisconsin doesn't get a buyer. Well, they're probably gonna do the same thing they've already done, which is go to a state-funded recycling plant, which is probably gonna send to a landfill, or gonna get it a normal, or they're gonna have to come down in price on what how much money they'll get per. Uh, metric ton of waste or it's just go to a landfill like pretty much a lot of america britain's germany's japan's trash is already doing i mean it just it just seems like a win-win of hey if it doesn't work out it's the same thing that's we're already getting that's true i did have a solution i thought might be a little bit i don't know if it's better but it's just another solution so we don't pick up recycling and each town has like a drop spot. So, and it's not single stream. So like the one blue can that you put everything in, this would be, you go there and there's one collection pot spot for your cans. There's one for your plastic bottles, one for your paper. And that way everything's already pre-sorted. And then maybe you have like some kind of washing spot there or something so if you have like bottle or something that's got a bunch of dirt or food waste on it you can wash it off and then that's you know they pick up that food waste that comes off and that you know gets put in a compost somewhere or something but in that way you know people i don't produce the same amount of waste as my neighbors it's just two people in our household so a lot of times if i don't put our recycling out the recycling company will put another box down thinking that we just don't have a recycling bin and this way you know everyone's got to come into town for something like a grocery store or whatever that way you can drop it off at your own time and you can sort it and that takes the energy out of sorting all the different recycling and you know people who aren't going to recycle aren't going to recycle either either way but this way it's broken down in the materials that people want you know part of the problem with recycling is sorting all the different materials yeah, I, I completely agree with that statement of people are just lazy and they don't want to re, re, uh, re-sort their, their recycled materials or clean their recycled materials to make it easier for them to recycle. And I think if we went to a multi-bin system, I think that benefit the entire planet and our economy so much better. I, everyone from Norway, shout out to our Norway listeners, to, Amer- to America would be, it would benefit so much money, so much money and time and ethics to just have a multi-bin system i i like that idea nick uh for the cleaning process though i'm not quite sure people would actually clean it because they're too lazy to sort their own plastics i don't know if they're cleaning it but maybe if we implemented more cleaning systems into 
recyclable facilities to make it, I don't know, somehow cheaper or profit more profitable. Because eventually I want to talk about current technology and possible future technology. That I think could be a real benefit of cleaning the material you're getting. Because again, if it's dirty, if it's contaminated, they tend to just go to the landfill. Or if it's a multi-material, like say, um, I don't know, say you're doing catering where you have a, uh, a tray of, say, rice, and it's mixed with, like, they have, like, a aluminum and plastic combo of some sort. That usually ends up in the landfill more than recycling because it's hard to identify and it's hard to separate those two materials. So if we come up with a different system that would remove that and also make it easier so we don't have to process that or make it easier so we have to clean that, like Nick said, that I, I, I think that's ingenious. I think that would be perfect. Yeah, and this might be getting a little bit ahead, but changing how plastic reacts to materials might be one way to do that. For example, like the infamous jar of mayonnaise. Have you ever tried to clean out a jar of mayonnaise? Can't say they have. I'm more of a mustard guy than mayonnaise guy. Well, I am, in fact, white trash, and I love my mayonnaise. (laughs) Um, Do you got some Twinkies on you, too? (laughs) Maybe. Who's asking? (laughs) But, uh... It's, it's hard to get all that mayonnaise or whatever, any condiment off the condiment bottle. But if plastics were like no stick, similar like, you know, like a frying pan or something where everything just slid off, cleaning all those plastics would be so much easier because nothing would stick to them. Now, I don't know what that would, if that would have to change how those plastics were made and then change the material and then that material may or may not be recyclable. That I don't know, but that's a solution that... I'd heard a little bit about and think that might be a way to do it. Just make it so that none of that material will stick to that plastic. So random question, is your mayonnaise, the container you're buying it, is it usually glass or plastic? Uh, I think it's plastic. Okay. From now, I have no evidence to back this up. This is just from background knowledge inside of my head. I I have no sources to back this up, but I believe it's easier to recycle glass because simply for glass, it's just sodium bicarbonate that we melt again. So every residue just turns off. I think the hard ones are plastic, paper, and e-waste. I think glass is easier to recycle than the rest because we just burn that. We just burn those motherfuckers until it's liquid again and turn into other glass items. The hard part is getting the colors out, which is a point we didn't talk about with plastics, which is clear plastics are more highly sodable compared to color plastics. And for those who don't know, from both an artist and an engineering basis, Clear items or pure white items are so much more harder to make than colored items because you have to worry about impurities. You have to worry about right temperatures. If you make it too hot, it will turn it mercury. If you make it too cold, it'll you'll make it white. It's it's annoying to deal with clear and white items. So it's that's very prevalent in the recycling world. But what happens if we? I'm just going to add this with the mayonnaise, but I eventually want to go back to e-waste. But what happens if we make your mayonnaise container glass? I, I think glass is easier to recyclable. We get rid of the plastic. Hell, with even a glass container, like a, like I like pickles a lot. I'm a big pickle guy. We could take, you can save the pickle jar to save fat from bacon. Oh God, I love bacon. Or like you can save it to put in your loose nuts and bolts. You can reuse that glass material yourself. Upcycle rather than recycle. And... I, I mean, I could be wrong or right about recycling glass. I sorry, I, I said a lot there. I uh, sorry, Nick. What 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 is your thought process on this? So first off, yes, you can recycle glass. 
Um, but obviously you don't live with the pickle eating machine that is my wife. I just don't have that many loose nuts or bolts to justify the amount of pickles that we go through. Second, yeah, the most important part in reducing our waste is, well, just reducing how much we use. So changing or changing into a material that's better than plastic. So like glass is a great example. Yeah, to stay on with the reuse and recycling, I want to... So we've mentioned before in the Right to Repair Back, Right to Repair Act, which is a callback from an earlier episode. I highly recommend go checking it out. You can check us out on Backyard Philosophy on YouTube or any major podcast network. And you can also check us on Instagram. But I fix it. I have high praises for. They had an interesting analogy, which I think is really telling about the American recycling ideology. And I'm just going to read off what they said. But in one year, if you put one year's worth of e-waste, not recyclable, just, just uh, not, not all recyclable, it's just e-waste, on one side of a scale, and all the blue whales alive today, on the other side of the scale, e-waste would be heavier. And that happens every year. That That is a scary thought there, Nick. How, how we're wasting so much electronic, like not even just plastic, not even just glass, not even just paper, but getting that new cell phone, getting that well, maybe not you. You have a cell phone I think was made in the Middle Ages. But just constantly getting new technology is making so much waste where if you add up all the blue whales in the world, it's still heavier than them. That that blew my mail that just blew my mind. Blue whales are heavy as fuck. Yeah. I mean that's that's the one of the greatest ironies, isn't it? Is that we have a culture who is simultaneously obsessed with being green and doing the environmentally friendly thing, but that's also simultaneously obsessed with getting that new cell phone. Yes, it is. It's very, very hilarious and very sad at the same time. But Nick, I feel like I feel like I I, I just got went through a breakup of hope and demise, and hope just got to put replaced with demise. And I feel like you're a lot more calmer than I am. I mean, granted, I might be drinking bourbon and vodka mixed together, but It'll really bring out your emotions. It's just sad. It's just like, it's like literally like dropping the ball quite literally. Like like going, I could drop this piece of plastic in the recycling bin or I can chuck it into the forest. I'm going to chuck it into the forest. It just seems like that's what first world countries are doing. All It's just all the way from Canada to Britain to Japan and everything in between. It's just, it's just, it's just, I, my brain's broken. It just, all right, all right, all right. Hang on. Focus, Mike. Going back to e-waste electronics you fucks who don't recycle electronics or batteries correctly you guys are literally killing people i can't emphasize this month please check out where you can ethically recycle batteries light bulbs electronics that makes a huge difference because like lcd screens are full with mercury and in case you didn't know mercury is bad for you uh a lot of a lot of electronics have lead in them that's kind of bad for you or a lot of countries are trying to melt the e-waste just to get the plutonium the gold the chromium and fun fact chromium if you get chromium poison can literally destroy and mess up your dna so you could literally remove or it chromium is nasty just stay away from chromium poison if you can but simply taking the time to figure out which company to ethically recycle is huge now going back to ban a little bit the uh company that was putting gps into electronic waste they're really good at helping 
identify which companies are good at recycling because they'll track, they'll just throw a GPS and say a uh, computer monitor and see where it goes. Oh, it's okay. It's going to China. Okay. Well, that's not great. It's going to a landfill where all this sludge, I, oh, it's, it's so disgusting seeing all this, the, the computer parts piled upon each other and all that electrical sludge in the rain, the melting, just drip into the soil and water and it, it and affect human lives it's it's nasty but sometimes they'll look they'll say oh okay they're actually recycling it they're actually doing it ethically and that makes the world a difference five minutes on your phone could could actually save a human life and i i highly implore that because as much as plastic is destroying our planet and polluting our waters and et cetera, et cetera, and materials such as aluminum glass plastic going to landfills that's all terrible but e-waste is having an immediate effect on people's lives like i mentioned with the battery recycling factories which is happening here in america which is happening in multiple states it's hard to recycle lead now funny enough nick i don't know if you know came across this in research lead is pretty much one of the most recycled materials in the world granted it's not recyclable it's not recycled ethically or recycled cleanly most of the time, but it is the most recyclable item in the world. Do you happen to know that, Nick? I would never have guessed. It's up there. I think it's above 90% of all lead in the world currently is recycled lead, and it's very rarely mined. It's like it decreased severely with mining for lead, but e-waste is such a huge, huge component for the loss of human lives. I mean... 13-year-old kids are getting cancer in West Africa or Southeast Asia because of this. And the, oh God, this, I, I can't even imagine that smell of the sledges of just piles and piles and piles of old laptops, old cell phones just being burned for their minerals. And they have kids, I mean, 13-year-old is a kid, going through after that burn pile and picking through, trying to pick up any gram of metal they can get. It's, it's disgusting what us humans allow things to happen like that it's it's just not it's just not right to me yeah well i think we uh we definitely hit on the problems uh i want to move more into solutions unless there's something else we need to bring up mike oh there is but you know i i'm i'm already well let's no i'm i'm kind of already said enough on what humanity has done with recycling so let's let's go with solutions let's like let's like this mike happy here all right so Part of the problem, uh, the high cost of recycling, is is uh, sorting all the different plastics, figuring out what's contaminated and what's not. Especially as more and more communities switch to a single stream uh, or like one one box, you're not dividing up into plastics and glass and papers and whatever else. It's just one one container, and it's cheap because it's cheaper to collect that way. Um, but it all goes to the same spot. So where do we go from there? And I think the answer there is we have, we have to increase our technology on sorting. And to do that, we're using uh, like a form of AI and, and cameras, but also machines that will blow air onto the recycling and different materials will separate at different levels. One of the big problems is uh, those pesky... Gar- uh, not garbage bags, uh, grocery bags that'll get stuck around stuff and usually the air will fly them into the air but they might get attached to something and, and mess everything up. And the technology is, is getting better and better and I haven't seen any of the machines that uh, look at recycling 
but I did get to look at a, uh, a machine that separates blueberries, um, at the Norris Blueberry Farm in Roseburg, give them a shout out. Uh, but they have, it's like a, I, I don't even know how much money it is. The guy was telling me, but I couldn't comprehend. Basically, every single blueberry that goes into this machine, the machine takes 63 different pictures of every single blueberry and then sorts it by size and quality and then it gets moved that way. You know, little machine or machine will divert that blueberry to whatever box that's why when you go to the grocery store you can look at a box of blueberries and they all look the same because it's I, out of curiosity nick um as just this is just curious this has nothing to do with recycling just engineering basis are they how are they taking all these pictures of blueberries um so the blueberries go on like a conveyor belt and then it passes under this machine with all the cameras and the computers in it and then it just okay so they're just taking the circumference got it but also color and like uh, if it's got like in oh they're adding other features such as colors yeah so like, like if that. it had like the ones that have like insects in them those go to the jam one but the stuff that meets like grocery store quality will then be put somewhere else and if it's an irregular shape it'll go somewhere um yeah it's, that's like if you look at your blueberries you get in your pack they all look remarkably similar it's because that pack is specifically designed so that's why blueberries are so expensive. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly how much this machine costs, but it's either one mil or a mil and a half. But it is interesting. You said there's need more technology to help sorting because from when I was researching this, there's a lot of technology and more technology is on the horizon. Now, there's, of course, manual, ma- uh, manual sorters, which is kind of how third world countries are doing it. And even here in the United States, how some people are doing it here. I'm not quite sure about Europe or other countries, but pretty much just people going, okay, this is paper, throw it there. This is plastic, throw it there. But just to list off the different types of tech in the recycling world, there's magnets, there's screens, like, and then there's hot air, like Nick said, for uh, sending lighter material upwards and heavy material downwards, like paper go up and aluminum cans go down. Uh, there's the eddy current uh, magnet, which is pretty much just repels aluminum. So if you have, say, a uh, Coca-Cola bottle, uh, uh, a bottle can, and it'll just shoot it to the chute that needs to go down. You have sorting machines using light to determine the different types of composite for plastic of like, okay, is this a polycarbonate? Is this a ABS? Is this PVLA? Et cetera, et cetera. Then you have like AIs using robotic arms to grab materials based on like like there's one from MIT which was really interesting to me. They have multiple sensors. It's still a work in process. It's still early technology. So be nice to them. They're not very fast, but they grab the can and based on whatever they grab, like say like a can, they can tell how hard they need to grab it so they can tell what material it is and they also use other sensors such as um uh i think a hall's effect to figure out if it's magnetic or not etc etc and i actually want to give a shout to apple and i don't usually do this because usually i'm against apple but apple has been stepping it up recently and i have to give credit where credit is due apple in 2018 introduced a robot called daisy it's a smartphone robot that can take apart 200 iphones an hour nick i I just want to clarify that 200 iPhones an hour, one machine. So it can take apart all the iPhones in the world in like, what, several years? But I mean, still, like... Yeah, I know. That is that's that is impressive. 
I'm, I was just trying to make a joke about how many iPhones there are. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. What are they doing with all those materials, putting them back into other, like, iPhones, or...? Uh, I believe they're recycling some parts, like, such as the gold, the platinum, the chromium. Uh, for those who don't know, gold's really great for electronics. Platinum's really great, really great for electronics. Chromium's really good for protecting them from erosion. Um, the other parts, such as the PCBs, which is a very big concern for uh e-waste recycling pcbs are so uh all right so i'm just gonna lay off some illegal recycling things that are kind of bad for the land air and water and everything in between lead for obvious lead poisoning mercury obviously mercury poisoning pvc plastics which is when like um like say like a food container when it's burned it'll produce chlorine gas and when mixed with water it makes chlorine acid which is devastating chromium like i said earlier can destroy human dna uh bromiate flame retardants which are straight up like poison uh chloroform carbon which is like insulation foam in like um refrigerators like when i say e-waste it's not just you know phones laptops ipods etc etc it's also refrigerators microwaves anything with electronics and then pcbs like if you picture a circuit board that green board that's a PCB board, and when it's not ethically recycled, like melted or something like that, it releases really, really bad chemicals. Now, for I for Apple, I cannot say, I cannot confirm nor deny what they're doing with it. I didn't come across that when researching it. All I know is they are grabbing some gold, platinum, and chromium when they're disassembling these iPhones with the robot Daisy, but I believe Daisy is still a prototype, not fully implemented. So asterisk there that's uh this isn't something that i completely agree with but something that's been brought up is that should manufacturers be responsible for their products once the their consumer is done using them i saw this too and i don't think they should be responsible for them i feel like as a individual it's your responsibility but if an organization is down to donate money to help I would not oppose. Yeah, that's kind of where I was too. So I wanted to see, you know, it, it should come down to the individual's responsibility to make the right decision. And it comes down to, you know, everyone wants to be green. Everyone wants to do the right thing. And people are willing to put their money behind companies that do the right thing. Now, the problem is figuring out whether those companies just slapped a recycling sticker on the back of their product or whether they actually recycle. And that's something that is a little... It's it's difficult to tell sometimes. Nick, I know you're not the biggest fan of uh, government intervention. It, neither am I. I, I kind of like individual rights. But would you be okay with a company they could put a certain sticker on if they got improved by, say, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency here in America? If they got improved by that, they could put the sticker on there saying they're ethically recycling their materials. Not quite sure how it would work, but if 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 it if it could be done, would you be okay with that? This is something that's done uh, in the, the timber industry. You might see like SFI, Sustainable Forestry Initiative, or I forget some of the other ones. And what it is basically just sticker that says that congratulations, you do a net good to the environment. And they create in some economies a superior good. So, for example, England or say the UK is more willing to pay for wood products that have that SFI sustainable rating. Whereas in the United States, we're not willing to pay more for that product. 
So it doesn't make sense to try and pursue that if your main export isn't to that market. And it's a pretty easy mark. It's a pretty easy thing to reach. It's mostly just, are you willing to pay SFI to put that stamp on your on your timber? Some companies are, some companies don't, depending on where they're exporting to. Um, my main concern is uh, is kind of with like the carbon credits industry. I mean, that, that's like a total scam. Uh, I would feel better if it like yes, a, a government industry. So it's not attached to anything or government rating. However, they're also pretty easily, pretty easy to fool, I would say, and like get around it. They're not the best at keeping up in the way, like, like say, like SFI for forestry would be. And, you know, if a product, like, you know, the government's probably going to be more honest than some of the recycling industries or recycling sticker giving companies, if you will, because when you put it in the hands of a private industry and they basically have this sticker that makes products easier to sell for a certain price, probably any company can get in on that sticker. But once you start doing that, then you lose your trust. So I don't know. I think I could, I could go either way, you know, private industry can react faster, change with the times, you know, for example, I'd imagine, say we did that with the, with the government. So the government says to have the sticker, you have to be able to recycle like 60% of your product. And then 20 years go by and basically any product can, uh, can be recycled like 90%. I bet you the government is not going to raise that to meet what's currently available. Uh, and that's, that's what I think is the problem with the government is they, they will, they're not proactive. They're only reactive. So once they pass their thing, they're like, we're good. We already did that. I don't, I don't see a reason to change. I, I agree with that statement. I, I definitely think there's a huge opportunity for private industry to take over the recycling business to help process all these recycling. Like imagine this is just a random thought of a company buys a landfill, weird as it sounds, and process it through like all the material to recycle every material to clean up well that area. That's got to be a huge plot of land because, I mean, uh, first world countries are all really good at making trash. So I imagine I can't imagine how much that land's actually worth for real estate value. It might be a solution like a nuclear plant facility where the upfront cost is really high and it takes about a decade to see a profit or make net even, but it could be a solution for, to, it, might, it might be a business maker. But to add on to what you said, Nick, I think there's a combination. I think private industry should definitely take the lead on this, but I think government help should, de government should definitely be involved. Like maybe raise the standards on recycling. Like you can't just ship off all your trash to another country. You can't dump all your problems onto someone else. You have to take care of it yourself. Like if you say you're a recycling facility, you have to recycle sort of deal. Yeah, I think government's role is to say we're not shipping our problems overseas, which I think is uh, is something everyone can, can get behind because environmentalists don't want us to destroy, you know, the environment. It just so happens that if when you do it somewhere else, no one sees it, so there's no one to protest. And I think I think they might actually be the biggest enemy of this because we're going to bring more plants and emissions back in the U.S. What? I... I, I... You lost me there. You had me for a moment, but you lost me there. Environmentalists don't want to see any emissions, anything like that. And 
Oh, so you're talking about how if America recycled its own product, we'd have more factories yes. here. Yes. Okay. So I was saying I think they might actually be one of the biggest enemies of this. Nah. You, you let me be a salesman. I can I, I can I can sell lube to a nun. I, I it, that's not I, I can do that problem. But I I can you can you sell a completely sustainable forest products industry to to environmentalists who would rather bring in wood from third world countries because that's what we're doing right now and it's the exact same concept. Yeah. If you gave me I, I actually don't know how much commercials are cost, but if you gave me enough to do about four commercials and about twenty episodes online and gave me maybe a. 30 man team to help me with the social media aspect. Yeah, I'm pretty confident I could at least turn 60% into favor and then then oppose. Yeah, I, I think we spend a lot more than like a few million dollars a year and it doesn't go too much. Nick, you're mixing the you're missing the X factor. You're missing me. Let's be honest. Of everyone you know, who has the most craziest ideas? Yeah, I know. But I'm saying you see you see I I think the problem is even though it is green and it would be better, it's going to be a difficult sell to people, especially to have the government tell people that, that your trash needs to stay here. Oh, yeah. Like I said earlier, it's bad tasting medicine, but it's medicine we need. Like, uh, so I want to give my idea of a facility recycling. Like I mentioned earlier and Nick mentioned earlier, there are a lot of technology and more technology on the horizon to help sort and recycle material. Uh, everything from AI, which there's a really cool AI system. I think it's machine learning, actually, not just AI, where they're over time they're getting better and better, and they use uh, vacuum vacuum hands to pick up materials to sort them really fast. Very interesting material, a very interesting machine. But I think more technology is needed for the cleaning aspect. Like we mentioned, a lot of material is deemed unusable simply because it's dirty. So if there's a facility or a process that could make it easier to clean, say, a plastic water bottle so it's less full of mud or, or food residue, so it could be recycled and go through the, uh, the facility and turn into pellets, I think would be a huge innovation. Recycling is already profitable. There are tons of companies that do it. Like one man from, I believe it was Malaysia, his name is Steve Wong, and he's a recycler. And he said he might buy a ton of plastic scrap from the U.S. at a price of $150 and turn it into pellets for, you know, the ejection molding, et cetera, et cetera, and then sell it as high as $800 per ton. Let's say his operational costs are triple of what he bought. He's still making a profit. Like, why can't we do that here in the United States? Why can't Britain do that there? Why can't Japan do that there? Why can't Sweden do that there? Why can't why can't all these countries just do it and and why are we lazy why are we trying to cut coal why are we why are we trying to turn a profit margin of five hundred dollars into a thousand dollars yes you should always try to succeed to be the best but at what cost i mean is an extra five hundred dollars per ton really worth five 13 year olds in west africa maybe not but if you aren't competitive like that someone down the road who is cutting those corners is gonna you know take over your business so you still have to be competitive or have a market where even if yours costs more people see that you are doing the right thing and more willing to pay for your product over your competitor who is cutting those corners see i think it goes back to laziness i think it's i think it's just people being greedy and people being laziness if they don't want to do the hard work 
And even if people don't see that you're doing the right thing, you know you're doing the right thing. You are solely responsible for yourself. And you shouldn't sell your soul for a few extra hundred bucks. It Even if it's just you by yourself, I, just do it. It's better to be alone and, and on the right path than a sheep with the herd. It, it's, I don't know. I, I think that's just ignorance, greed, and uh, laziness that a lot of this recycling is unethical. It is, but now it's my turn to play your role, Mike, of devil's advocate. So like I talked about, so say you're doing the right thing. You're exporting this, taking care of this plastic or this trash, recycling it for 500 bucks a ton. Your competition is cutting corners and recycling it at 1,000 bucks a ton. He can offer your residents, people who you, your, your customers, a cheaper deal. Most people are going to choose him over you. So now, because you went and did the high road, you're out of a business. And maybe you did the right thing, but your marketing campaign wasn't good. You weren't able to convince everyone. So now, even though you did the right thing, it doesn't matter. So you have to... You. It does matter. I mean, it matters to you, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. You didn't sell your soul, and you set an example for everyone else. Even if no one else does it you held your hel- your head up high that's all that matters you're you, i truly believe that a person's only responsible for themselves now it gets murky like you said nick where i guess you're trying to get the point at of doing a little evil for greater good but if you make a business you do everything right you try to do everything ethically and you get beat out by people who are cutting corners and doing unethically it's gonna be bad taste in your mouth it's gonna be it's gonna suck there's no way around that but you can look yourself in the mirror every single day and you know you say you tried you did the right thing when everyone else wasn't and i think when you start having more people like that and you start doing more things like that it creates a better world no i definitely agree um so what i think what this comes down to is just like everything just like everything we talk about comes down to one of three things this comes down to education on recycling and educating people on what recycling is doing, doing it the right way, who's doing it the wrong way, and the inverse that would, I guess it goes hand in hand, marketing of whether those companies who are doing the right thing can market it well enough, because there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, even not misinformation, just certain studies will leave out certain factors like shipping costs or something in comparison to different ones and it's just recycling was a mess like researching this it was mess with all capital letters there was points on both sides yeah every side was saying this is the right way this is the wrong way these guys are whatever and it was tough and uh the problem is and i'm not blaming anyone i have a freaking busy life Everyone's lives are busy. No one's going to spend freaking hours trying to get to the bottom of this. So, yeah, Mike, we do need some system to figure out who it is who's doing right and who's doing wrong. And how I always come back, we need to change the culture. We need to have a culture who who celebrates those people who are doing it the right way. Well, I just, I just imagine a large part of both, no matter where you s- sit on the political spectrum, having a independence where you're self-sustaining i feel like is neutral territory for everyone where hey me and your wife both like pickles a lot we eat a lot of pickles we both have this glass jar at the end of the week and we want this to not go to a landfill we want this to 
be thrown into a furnace and turned into a Coca-Cola bottle, another pickle jar, a, a, a piece of art, just something else, a window, that glass reused. And that way we don't have to ship it all the way across the country, uh, not the country, the continents and the world to get that done. We can do it here in the States, which also would create jobs. It would help slow the environmental impact of, of all these furnaces, boats, like you mentioned, Nick. I can't imagine how much diesel is wasted on shipping these electronics and e-waste and plastics and all, all these materials i i have i really wish i knew that what i could find of how much diesel is actually wasted but if we just you know we're just shipping it to a truck maybe 10 miles away instead of across the entire pacific ocean that seems like a win-win it, it just seems like an all-around win to do the right thing yeah the companies won't make as much money but over the long run they'll make more money if that makes sense. It's it's a long-term investment, not a short-term investment. Yep. Acting generationally. Oh, my gosh. Gener- thinking generationally. Holy cow. Okay, Mike. Calm down with your slurring with the words. It's my job. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was. No, but I, I, new tech is on the horizon. As AI gets more and more advanced, it's easier to pick up more machinery. I think a big... Yes, sorting i think right now is the the first one on the up to bat i think that's a huge component to recycling now that china's closed their borders and other countries are not closing their borders and we have to deal with our trash we know it can't go into a landfill landfills are not sustainable and we can't burn it because a point i wanted to bring up and i didn't want to really bring up i'm just going to mention quite quickly here is if when we burn said trash and recyclable items that air will destroy crops if we bury it it'll produce like methane if we it, and it's just we just pollute the planet the water becomes poisonous you can't drink the well water etc cetera, etc cetera. but if we get the sorting situated because we have to deal with this situation it's literally piling up on our doorsteps if we deal if we figure out the sorting situation it makes it easier to recyclable now granted we can't recycle all items because they're quote-unquote impure because of as we mentioned dirt filth whatever but I think the next one up to bat would be cleaning processes to make it easier to clean said trash and recyclables to make it easier to sort and, and and to recycle. I think that's a huge stepping stone, which I don't, I could not come across one organization that was trying to figure out how to clean trash and recyclables more efficiently. Now, in their defense, a lot of, a lot of recyclable items are complex items. So sticking with pickles, you have a metal lid and a glass jar. With computers, you have tons of different metals. You have a plastic casing. With water bottles, hell, even the it might it might come with that uh, a paper outside where you have to remove the paper from the plastic. That's a process that needs to be done. Something that minute. It's a lot of materials mixed together. So in my and if I was making a game plan for it, it'd be sorting, making it easier, cleaning to make it more profitable, more more material can be recyclable, and then separating not sorting separating so separating materials such as the metal lid from the glass jar and i think that's a very good game plan which is achievable especially with ai machinery and health mit is working on it i feel like more people should be working on it yeah and like i always bring it back to change the culture just imagine we there's a company out there who's working on a product that can just separate any any like food residue or anything from all these recyclables or whatever else 
and then suddenly there's a culture shift and we just start doing that ourselves, we don't actually need these technologies to start sorting all this stuff. If we just did it ourselves, if we just washed all of our food waste out of the recyclables, we wouldn't need all this and more of it would actually get recycled. Yes. And as I hope more entrepreneurs develop technology and develop ways to help us recycle, I think it's very important in your mind that you keep it adaptable. So the reason why I say this is a lot of recycling plants and facilities here in America were built for paper, like newspapers, because I thought there could be a lot of them. And the digital age and computers kind of changed that. So now they have to switch from paper to cardboard. And that might sound very similar, but they're different materials and it's a different process of recycling them. And all these cardboards are coming from like Amazon, eBay, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's important to keep these new systems and these new facilities and these new businesses open to adaptability, not being narrow-minded on how to recycle. I think that's a, a very important factor. Yep. And I wish I could give an overview of what you can and cannot recycle, but it's so dependent. You're just going to have to look at your local recycler's website and figure out what you can put in your blue bin or not. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a clusterfuck. Like, like, <laughs> like uh, there's a reason why in the United States, some, some states can get 10 cents for a glass bottle and other states you get a penny. It's Nick, I think you're being very generous of like how crazy it is for each region has different rules for recycling. Each town, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great way to say it. each town has their different ways to recycle. But as as we come to this podcast at the end, this is, we're fools with a capital F. This is a in-depth, almost to the point conspiracy topic of so many rabbit holes, so many factors. It's, it's insane. Again, you can check out our sources on our YouTube description, but I highly, highly implore you to all to do your own research. Just figure out what's happening because it's... It's something we all thought was good for the environment that we were doing and recycling, throwing into a, a bin to to change the world, but it's actually making it worse. So it's it's something we all need to focus on. And Nick, do you have uh, any closing statements? Nope. We'll wrap this up. Uh, Mike, what are you reading? I am still reading The $100 Startup by Chris Gullibu. I have to admit, some things I agree with, some things I don't agree with. But overall, I enjoyed the book. What about you, Nick? What are you reading? I am still reading The Northwest Passage by Kenneth Roberts, novel about Roberts Rangers. How are you liking it? Pretty good. Once we started this podcast, I've been reading a lot of, uh, a lot of I don't know, like almost textbook-like books, so it's nice to <laughs> get out of that. Yes, we've uh, definitely been... A jack of all trades recently. And Nick, out of curiosity, besides YouTube with our description, where else can they find us? We are on Instagram at Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We're also on Facebook, if you are still on Facebook, and odds are you're not still on Facebook. But you can't find us on Twitter, because Twitter is a dumpster fire, and that's not going to change with anything that's going on in the world right now. Uh, I love Twitter's a dumpster fire, because it's so true. And one last thing before we close off this podcast, I want to say to everyone, we can make a difference. We can be a sustainable planet. It just takes a little effort. And if you want to make a lot of money, figure out how to recycle better. That's if you want to be a millionaire, figure out how to make recycling more easier to do in your own country. Thank you all for listening.
Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.